Hi, I'm Sarah Dudley. Uh, I am a law librarian in San Francisco. I work for a private law firm. I have an MLS. Um, I don't have a JD. <laughs> Throw that out there. Uh, thank you for listening. I'm going to talk about the profession of law librarianship and hopefully convince a few of you to go into this rewarding field of librarianship because we really need you. Um, I'm going to discuss six main things. One, why law librarianship? Two, the training and education you would need to be a law librarian. Three, where law librarians work. Four, roughly the sort of benefits and compensation you can expect uh, with references on where to go for more specifics. And then five, I'm going to give you some resources on where to go right now, today, with the skills and education you already have to get your first job working in this field. And I think that's possible, probably more so than, than you would even imagine. So I'm going to start with the why. Uh, I work in the library of law firm where I'm the only librarian. So that's going to be kind of my, my emphasis, but I'm not going to focus on that because there's, um, as we're going to get into, there's a lot of different places that law librarians work. But that's where I work. Uh, I was a paralegal for two years before attending library school. Uh, going to work in a law firm seemed like a natural progression for me because it combined what I liked about both fields. I had worked as paralegal and now I had a library degree. Uh, I enjoy working in law firms or with lawyers, believe it or not, for a couple of different reasons. Uh, and for those of you who aren't familiar with working in a legal setting, this will probably be useful to you, um, or even with those of you that are. But anyway, this is why I like it. One, I like working with knowledgeable users. Um, not to uh, criticize anybody else's, uh, you know, choices for where they wanted to work in a library, but I, the idea of working in a, in a more public setting and having people coming in who I didn't know all day asking lots of different, different questions, <laughs> that I found that to be a little frustrating. And I wanted to work with people that really understood, you know, the same things that I understood and we were all working with the same body of information. And I felt like that would make for a more uh, challenging and interesting reference experience. Although, as I'm going to talk about, uh, there are definitely law librarians that work with the public and they find that very rewarding. And I might too, eventually. Um, I like working with the law because it touches on a lot of real life problems and issues. And so you do wind up researching some very diverse things. I'm not going to say you don't. You know, anything from medicine to, uh, you know, tort touches on all kinds of, you know, uh, construction, building, all kinds of things. So you wind up, you do wind up with a little bit of variation. It's not the same old thing. Uh, I like working with lawyers because they value education. So I found a lot of support for getting continuing education. Um, I found a lot of support for the fact that I have, you know, I have a bachelor's degree and I have a master's degree. I put my degree up on the wall, both of them. And, you know, the lawyers really, they value that. They value education. So I feel very much like I'm a valued professional in that, in that law firm. Um, as a solo librarian, uh, law firms or otherwise, I think, I think also librarians can kind of sympathize with this or relate to it. I wear a lot of hats. Um, a one-woman reference, tech services, management, special projects, uh, which one, once again makes my day more interesting. And uh, at a law firm especially, you're going you're gonna to do a lot of different things. It's kind of anybody who can jump in and do something usually gets tapped. Um, I was asked to address by a couple of you uh, where law librarianship is going as a field. Uh, and the answer to this speaks to something else that I like about my job, which is that it's evolving. Um, 
Five years ago, law librarian job postings, I, this is just anecdotal, but we're all asking for candidates interested in creating integrated library systems, creating OPACs, uh, and putting catalogs into electronic form. Then all the postings seem to be about knowledge management and competitive intelligence. Uh, now job postings want to know if you can create wikis and blogs and uh, coordinate pushing current awareness using web 2.0 technology, which I assume they mean they want you to set up RSS feeds. <laughs> I don't even know if they know what they mean. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like they just like take all these technology buzzwords, craft a, craft a job posting and you know, say, hey, this is what you're going to do. Um, so what that means to me is that my job, even the last six years, is just evolving and changing. And uh, somebody, you know, beyond you know, database management, uh, although that's become a big part of it too. Uh, other, other ways I've seen my job growing is that uh, information in general, and certainly legal information, has become much more complicated and much more expensive. And my, my library is close to 2% of my law firm's budget, so, and I manage that. So they're not, as it, becomes, as it becomes even more a part of the budget of any institution, of course you need somebody to manage you know, how that money gets spent and that it's getting spent wisely. So, and I feel like I've already given my company good value on that because I've been able to negotiate much, much better deals with these vendors than they would have otherwise without me. I mean, to the tune of, you know, a significant amount of money, enough that it, that it, that it makes having me there worthwhile because I can communicate with these vendors. I know what the heck they're talking about and what a good deal is and what a good deal is not. Um, at another level, I mean, let's face it, uh, and I was kind of joking about this, but it's true. Lawyers have no interest in maintaining, organizing, or managing their own stuff. <laughs> They're not going to, I mean, it's like, I think back in the day they said, you know, once, once lawyers start being able to type for themselves on their own computer, they're not going to need secretaries. You know, and of course now they're saying, God, we're desperate for secretaries. Because, you know, now that they don't have to do all the typing, they're doing e-filing and they're doing, secretaries are doing calendaring and, you know, and client loads have gone up. I mean, everything has just gone up and up and up. Uh, when it comes to organization and management. So the, the thought that they're going to uh, get rid of the people that organize and manage and control the flow of information is, uh, it's just not happening. Uh, they need us more than, more than ever. Um, okay. Training and education. That's the uh, second thing I said I would talk about. Let me answer the first question that I often get asked about, uh, don't I need a law degree? And I know there's lawyers who are listening and lawyers that are here. Uh, no. The, uh, and that's, that's a common misconception. The American Association of Law Libraries, which I'll talk about a lot, that's the American Association of Law Libraries, AA, double L, uh, has a close and a good relationship with the American Bar Association. They were formed within two years of each other back in the mid-1800s. Um, at that time, yeah, all the, they were all lawyer librarians, but that was 150 years ago. Um, the need for librarians to staff law libraries in all capacities, reference, technical services, management, far, far outstrips the number of individuals with JD MLS degrees that would ever want to do them, and it has for some time. Um, most of a legal education is about learning how to read and interpret the law, not purchase, organize, and circulate legal materials. <laughs> Believe me, I've talked to enough lawyers about this. They have no idea how that goes on. Um, my legal reference class was taught by a JDMLS. Uh, it was one semester, legal reference, and it was the exact same class 
that my professor taught to law students. It was at a law school. However, the law students, this is by way of illustrating, the law students went on to take the second semester, legal writing, which we did not. Then, of course, they had two more years of education, none of which I personally need to do my job. Um, the only jobs that I, and then once again, this is anecdotal, but the only jobs that I'm fairly certain that I can recall or that I really know that are advertised as JD required or JD preferred are in academic legal reference, uh, UC Hastings or Berkeley. Um, very, very rarely uh, in, in a law firm will you see that. Um, and sometimes for, in government libraries, in management. Um, I think the, the uh, upper level government jobs sometimes, uh, the, uh, the libraries that support federal judges and support their clerks and staff sometimes. But the, the, the job posting will very clearly say, you know, JD preferred or required. Um, and you'll find that most of them don't. Um, and I'm just going to reiterate, I mean, the, the entire tech services of a department, even an academic institution, does not have a JT. You know, the catalogers, the processors, and they're all librarians. I think what you do need, in addition to the general requirements in library school, and I can't emphasize this enough, is as much coursework in legal reference as possible so that you understand how the laws are passed, recorded, and promulgated, and by whom. Uh, I was paralegal for two years, and then when I finally took legal reference, I was working with those materials, I was in a library, and at the end of two years as litigation paralegal, I understood very, very little about how, about how the law worked. Very little. Uh, I was mostly organizing litigation documents, you know. Uh, I took one semester of legal reference, and all of a sudden, it all made sense. Uh, it's, it's hugely important. Uh, and generally, professors actually, and I think I, I think this is, should be pretty clear. Professors of, of legal reference tend, do tend to be JD MLSs or JDs. Um, a good legal reference class for librarians will familiarize you with how legal materials are cataloged in the library, who the major publishers are. Uh, it should touch on how to negotiate with vendors for books and for electronic materials, including online services. Um, I say this with some hesitation. I mean, if you're sure you just want to be a cataloger, you know, you're positive, and then you probably don't want legal reference, although I think it would even make a cataloging job more interesting because you kind of understand what it is that you're cataloging and what you're working with. Um, and also, if you want a long and a flexible career, and flexible, you know, is a big, is a key to that, within this specialty, you should have legal reference and know what that is. So you can, you know, maybe, you know, move out of, out of cataloging or vice versa. Um, so. Where can you learn legal reference if you're not a JD? Uh, obviously, you can learn some on the job, but most people won't hire, won't hire you for a reference position if you haven't taken legal reference. Um, and most of you want to be qualified enough to get that first job anyway. Um, luckily, there are many ways to learn legal reference. Uh, build up your resume and get hired without a JD and without years of experience in the legal field. This is true. I'm going, to kind of, I'm going to go through these ways right now. Uh, first of all, obviously, it's San Jose. Uh, take any legal reference class that they offer, as well as, and this is my personal, personal recommendation, coursework regarding corporate and or private libraries. And I work in a corporate or private library, and as I'm going to get into, there are other types of law libraries, but I'm going to, I'm going to say do that. Um, so corporate and private libraries, database management, and in general, emerging technologies. 
mention the fact that you've taken those classes in your cover letter or sneak it into your resume you know, with a focus on legal reference. Classes completed, legal research 101. It can't hurt. If you don't have the job experience, then at least say I've taken the coursework. Um, I look through the San Jose uh, fall upcoming fall schedule and I didn't see legal reference but I saw some of the things that I would take um, competitive intelligence uh, building online tutorials advanced info tech tools web usability and design interface records management web 2.0 uh, these are ones I would take I would also check out uh, San Jose's own continuing education courses that are online um, see if one pops up on legal reference Another way, if there's, let's say, San Jose is an offering legal reference right now, library associations. The two key associations for law librarians are the AAAL, which I mentioned, American Association of Law Libraries, and SLA, the Special Libraries Association, including the regional chapters. They are critically important in providing continuing education for librarians in their monthly and quarterly publications, by providing listservs for librarians to post questions on, they hold large annual conferences and multiple regional events, including uh, information-packed workshops and lectures. They are relatively inexpensive. I'm going to say cheap, but I've been told not to say cheap. But I would say cheap to join for library students and the unemployed. We're talking, you know, it could be a couple hundred dollars if you're employed and your company's paying for it. If you're unemployed, it could be anywhere from zero to ten. Maybe it's gone up to twenty dollars. And then you'll have access to everything that a full-paying member would have access to. Even if you know nothing about the law or special libraries, you can start reading their publications, you can start taking their webinars online, uh, SLA has been called ClickU University, and networking on the list with law librarians and get learning right now today. You can get on the exact same list that we're all on. I'm going to show you some of our publications. Uh, law Library Journal. It's quarterly. That's a double A, double L one. And this, this is academic in focus and does tend to be written by JD MLSs. Double uh, A, double L spectrum. This is this issue, a day in the life of the law library community. It's kind of cute. And then this one is Information Outlook, which is the SLA's publication. I grab one at random. Uh, Ten steps to a successful job match. So even though you're already a law librarian, we still need to keep up with, you know, new types of reference and new resources and if you're just getting into the field you can learn about them same as us we definitely don't know everything <laughs> um, okay another way paralegal or legal assistant courses the materials used to teach them are often exactly the same as those used to teach uh, in, in a library re legal reference class so if they're not offering it uh, at library school take a paralegal um, teach yourself you can read legal research in a nutshell. Henke's California Law Guide. These are indispensable to me. They're in my office right now. Uh, Henke's California Law Guide is written by Daniel W. Martin, director of the law library and professor of law at Loyola Law School. And I also recommend the Legal Information Buyer's Guide and Reference Manual by Rhode Island Press. Uh, the first half of this, this manual is incredible. Uh, it's, the first half of it is just 200 pages about legal research and the ins and outs of dealing with legal vendors. It's actually not just, oh, you think buyer's guide's going to be like a catalog. That's actually the second half is, is, a, is more of a buyer's guide and a catalog. But the first half is all about how to, you know, who these vendors are and how to do legal reference. County law, and public, county law libraries and public libraries. They hold workshops and lectures in finding legal information geared towards the public. 
Um, so you'll be able to understand them, I'm saying if, even if you know nothing. Um, as important, they are open to the public, so you can go and familiarize yourself with a law library if you haven't been to one before. I'm going to keep saying this, even if you've never thought about a field in law, um, I, there's an, you, you can get started right now, today. And, you know, in a year, six months, you will be very well on your way to getting a job, if not sooner. So anyway, county law libraries, open to the public, walk around, see what a, see what a law library looks like. Talk to the librarians there. I'm sure they will be thrilled. <laughs> if they're not, you know, tell me, but <laughs> I'd like to know. But I'm sure they will be thrilled if you say, I am a library student and I want to, you know, uh, learn about law librarianship. What's your day like? What do you like? What, what don't you like? If, if they have the time, I'm sure they will bend over backwards to talk to you, or they should. Um, and I guess from the standpoint of training and education, I think I talked a lot about education, but for training, from the standpoint of getting that first job, work in a law firm or a law library. I say that, I mean, if you can get a government job, you know, that's, that's great. Um, I, I find that it's easier to, act, to get access to working in a private company. And you know, there tend to be more hoops in getting your first job and being at, you know, working for a federal judge. But, um, but work in a law library or work in a law firm in any capacity as a page in a county law library, the circulation desk of an academic library, checking in the mail or doing loosely filing in a law firm. It looks good on your resume, it will give you contacts in the field, and will get you familiar with the materials. If they see, you know, Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe, LLP, anywhere in your resume, it doesn't matter what you were doing, plus library school, they're like, okay, that's, that's experience. <laughs> it's actually experience. I would love to hire a person like that. I mean, I, I was, what sort of prompted me to do this today was I was, I had to go on leave for three months and I did not find, I couldn't find a single candidate that had ever it worked at a law firm. Not, I mean, I'd had better luck in the past, but not a single one had ever been inside of a law firm. You know, so I hired a librarian, graduate here, and, you know, it was fine, and it worked out, you know, it worked out fine, but it, it would have been nice to have somebody who was at least familiar with the environment, who had talked to lawyers before, even just talked to them, you know, um, and who was a little bit familiar with how these materials are organized. So in any capacity, try to get in. Okay, the next thing I was going to talk about is, what do librarians do in a law firm, or in, what do law librarians do? I should get away from in a law firm, because I know there's other kinds. Uh, the short answer is everything that librarians anywhere else do. Research and reference, teaching and training, cataloging, acquisitions, circulation, budgeting. Um, there are even position for, positions for archivists, but these are somewhat rare. Um, but they, they do exist. Um, basically, if you have an interest in any aspect of librarianship, you can find a niche in a law library. Uh, where law librarians work. This leads to my next topic and probably the longest. Uh, where law librarians work. Like I keep mentioning, I work for a private law firm in San Francisco. Other settings and ones that you may not think about or have thought about, so I'm going to call them to your attention, are government law libraries, academic law libraries, corporate law departments, and private law libraries. So law firms. I think we all know what these are. Privately owned and run, they can employ anywhere from one to a dozen or more librarians per location. 
Uh, you have national law firms, regional law firms. Librarians and law firms uh, are often solo librarians. So if you're interested in being a solo librarian, you'll, you'll probably find your niche there. Uh, meaning they're the only librarian for that law firm, or they might just be that only librarian at that branch. Um, librarians do reference and technical services there. Large law firms have regional and firm-wide management positions, so there are definitely opportunities for career advancement. You can either you know, move up within your own law firm or kind of a general path as you start out as a solo, and then maybe you move to a larger law firm and are a solo, or you move to a law firm that has two branches, and now you're managing staff, and then you can kind of move up and up, um, which is what I like. Uh, law firms and corporate libraries tend to have specialized positions like head of competitive intelligence, head of KM, um, which is good because those tend to be, you know, they're specialized, so they pay, they, they're commensurate, you know, with having these special skills, your pay should be commensurate with that. Um, your clients will be attorneys and paralegals in your firm. Don't forget about the paralegals. They need teaching and training as much as anybody else, sometimes more. And they'll be knowledgeable users, which I, like I said, I enjoy. Corporate libraries, this is different. These are law librarians that are that assist the law departments inside companies whose primary business is not law. For example, Apple and Google have law departments that are as large as some law firms and may have a librarian there just to assist them. And, and that's, uh, so you're in-house, you're essentially in-house counsel. Um, you work for in-house counsel. Uh, academic, those are librarians that work at law schools like USF or Hastings. Uh, as I've said, the reference and management positions here are most likely to require or prefer JDs. That's reference and management. Others, not so much. Uh, academic libraries are on average, and I'm saying that on average, anecdotally, I say, the largest law libraries that you can work in. They tend to have very large staffs. Um, as opposed to law firms where, you know, it's, if you want to be a solo, you can definitely find that. Chances are, if you're working in an academic library, you're going to be part of a team. So if you like to work in teams and in shifts, or if you uh, need to work odd hours, I'd say I would start. To, I would look in an academic, you know, because they're open 10, 11 o'clock at night. Um, your users will include very knowledgeable law professors and somewhat clueless law students, <laughs> but they're all interested. <laughs> you know, they're all there because they want to learn. Um, academic law libraries have an emphasis on have an emphasis on teaching and training, and they provide really great opportunities for people who like to teach and train and create materials for that purpose. Um, I do teaching and training in my job, but academic law libraries, they have entire kind of people that are just devoted to getting bibliographies together and creating pathways and working with professors so they can you know, work with the students and teach them how to use the materials. Um, so if, you're, if you really like to do that and create materials and teach and train, uh, you should consider academic libraries. Um, I'm also going to encourage you to check out academic law library websites uh, to see examples of bibliographies, pathways, all these pamphlets they put together. I mean, even as a law librarian, uh, I, go to law li I go to academic law library websites if I need to find information on a topic that I don't have because they're just fantastic and rich with information. <coughs> and you'd be creating that. Uh, county law libraries. They can San Francisco uh, County Law Library, for example. Um, I think every county in California has a county law library. I think I think everyone. Um, you'll be helping lawyers, but also the public. Uh, there are reference uh, reference jobs, tech services, as well as opportunities to do teaching and training. And they could be large or small, and pay is really going to vary. 
Um, kind of related to that are court libraries. These are the libraries that support state and federal judges and their clerks. Uh, they are government libraries, but they are closed to the public. Member-only libraries. This is when I, said, when I said private libraries, it wasn't just private law firms. But, uh, another kind of private library is a member-only law library. Member-only libraries are supported by the membership of attorneys, and they are not open to the public. An example would be the Mills Library in San Francisco. Uh, they are created by attorneys who pooled resources to create them for their exclusive use. But in all other ways are just like regular law libraries. Okay. Kind of one of the last things to talk about is benefits and compensation. Um, and I'm going to refer now to uh, Mary Wisner's excellent article, Choosing Law Librarianship, Thoughts for People Contemplating a Career Move. Um, even though some of you are just starting your careers, but it's the same. It's on this excellent website called LLRX.com. That's the Law Librarians Resource Exchange.com, LLRX. And it's published April 4th, 2008. And it's an excellent, excellent article. Um, according to the American Association of Law Libraries, a biannual salary survey, the median salary for a law librarian in a one-person law firm library, like myself, in 2007 was $65,000. The median salary for a reference uh, research librarian in an academic law library was $54,000. The median for a director slash chief librarian of a law school library was $130,000. Um, so we make, kind of the general consensus is we obviously make more than paraprofessionals. Um, we make more than generally paralegals, I feel. Depends on that it depends, but generally, um, we have a master's degree, so that's important. But we make we generally make less than lawyers, although that varies. I mean, clerks for federal judges only make around forty thousand um, dollars, and then there are lawyers in smaller markets that you know are not making one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars a year. So, um, once again, anecdotally, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna qualify a lot of this by region, but in California, which is where we are, in a major metropolitan area, Sacramento, San Francisco, San Diego, Los Angeles, um, you should expect to start at 55,000. Um, you should not, in, in a, I would say in a law firm or generally, you know, I would, I, that is a good point to start your negotiation and I would move it up, especially if you're in a private law firm. Um, and you should be expecting to earn within three to five years pretty much at any library, unless, I mean, there's obviously exceptions. Like if you're going to work in a small county law library in Northern California, you know, there's going to be exceptions. But you should be up there around 65. And you'll probably in this currently top out around 85. Um, and that's, you know, and that's provided you don't take on additional responsibilities. You don't become the head of KM. You don't. You know, and there, there are so many ways that you can increase your salary um, by taking on additional responsibilities. By you know, and th that's just presuming you kind of stay in your in your job. You know, um, what I don't want you to assume is that because you're new, and this is maybe your first law library job, that you are automatically when they give a range that you're automatically at the bottom. You know, you'll see these ranges. You know, forty nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars to sixty five thousand don't assume that you're automatically well I'm new so I'm going to take that lowest figure um, you know you're a qualified professional 
you, you know, have a great track record, you know, here at school. You know, you, you know, you did well here. You went to, you know, a very prestigious college. You made a good impression. You know, they really want you. So don't assume that you have to take the lowest figure on the table. You don't. Um, and something to help you with that is the AAAL salary survey and the SLA salary survey. When I negotiated, you know, my first job, I just walked in with the SLA salary survey and I said, this is what, you know, and it was broken down by region, and I said, this is, you know, what law, law librarians, you know, make in this region. This is the range. And, you know, we picked a number in the middle. We didn't pick the lowest number. I think it takes a lot of, uh, a lot of chutzpah for somebody who wants to hire you to say, okay, you know, you walk in with the paper, you say, okay, this is, this is what they make, and they're like, oh, okay. We're gonna, we really want, you know, to hire you. We want you to be here. We're gonna, pick, we're gonna take the lowest number on this list. Because, you know, that's who we are. We're, we're going to be the lowest payers in the field. Like, you know, it doesn't really make sense. You know, all I can say, I would say ask for a number in the middle for your region. Um, okay. Also, if you're really nervous about, uh, if you're really nervous about negotiating, uh, I would go, you know, go through a recruiter. Just get through, your, you know, for your first job, I would say go through a recruiter um, because they will, you know, help you, assist you, or sometimes even do it for you. They have, they have an interest, that's my personal bias, but they have an interest in getting you the highest salary possible because they get a cut of it. <laughs> you know, they get, they get a percentage of that or they're getting paid, and they have no qualms about asking for a bunch of money. It's not there, you know, they're, they're not on the line. They'll do it for you. Uh, some of the benefits, um, but I'm, I'm going to repeat that I want you to go check out the SLA salary survey and the AAAL salary survey. You must look at those. Uh, some of the benefits. Uh, law firms offer competitive benefits packages, 401k, profit sharing, medical and dental, commuter checks, not all of these, but some package of these. Commuter checks or reimbursement, vacation time off, uh, disability insurance, very discounted life insurance, domestic partner benefits. Um, you can expect to see most of these things on the table and you should ask about them. Um, academic libraries. If you work for a state law school like you know, UC Hastings, you're a state employee. So you're going to get all the benefits that state employees get. Um, pension, retirement, all those, you know, all of those things you're going to get. Uh, privately run law school benefits will vary. Government libraries. Um, the salaries, as you'd, as you'd expect, could be lower in government libraries, kind of generally. And I say government, I mean county, state, federal court libraries as opposed to, let's say, corporate. Um, but once again, you're going to, you know, you'll be a county employee or a federal employee or a state employee. So, you know, the benefits there could be, you know, terrific. Um, although I'm sure some people who work in them say my benefits are terrific. <laughs> but I mean, they're not going to be horrible. Okay, so kind of the last thing I'm going to talk about is let's get started. So hopefully I've convinced you to work in a law library um, because we don't have enough people to do it. Um, the benefits and salary, I feel, are very competitive with other branches of law librarianship. In fact, exceed them. I think the working environment is interesting and challenging and stimulating. So presumably, I've convinced you that you must do this. Um, so where do you go from here? I would say people will hire you right now. Well, you already have an undergraduate degree and some library school experience. I'm not even talking to graduates. You know, you have some library school experience. Um, 
I hired somebody to catalog my library who taken who is a student here. She worked in a law firm and she was just completed advanced cataloging. She wasn't even a librarian yet. Um, people will hire you right now uh, to work in circulation, to do check-in and routing, uh, which is tech work generally, to do loosely filing, to do paging and shelving, to do copy cataloging, uh, probably everything but reference. They, they will hire you to do that right now. Once again, check-in and routing, loosely filing, you could paging and shelving, copy cataloging, circulation. Uh, other hints for looking for a job. Uh, it's cross-disciplinary. You're going to need to search for library jobs, legal jobs, academic jobs, and government jobs, all through their specific job channels and their specific recruiters. For example, a job as a law librarian in the law department at Apple Computer could appear in one or all of the following. It could go on Dice, which is where Apple you know, advertises for their, because it's a tech company, so they advertise on, in, through their tech channels. They could place it with a legal recruiter because they know that you know, the same people that they hire their attorneys through. Or they can be like, well, it's also a library job, so we're going to contact some library recruiters. So you can, you can see it's, it could be tech, it could be through libraries, it could be through law. And you're going to find that kind of across the board. I have found law library jobs advertised on job boards that are just for academic libraries, even that are just, you know, just for that. And I've seen, so it's, it's you know, and I'm not, it, it's, yeah, I guess like I said, it's cross-disciplinary. So you should check, you should go through library recruiters and you should go through law recruiters and, and academic channels and government channels separately. Um, you're going to find that sometimes you're going to need to educate um, legal recruiters, actually. They don't often hire for librarians. They'll never tell a law firm that they can't find a librarian for them, but they, they may have no idea, you know, what the qualifications are. Um, resources. The job placement pages um, for SCAL, which is the Southern California uh, branch of AAWL, Sandal, which is the San Diego branch of AAWL, NoCal, the Northern California branch, Baynet, um, those are actually all on the no-call website, so you could go right there, go under placement, and you'll find it, uh, www.nocall.org. Um, that's just one place. I'm sure there's others. Library recruiters. I don't want to plug for any particular you know, company, but I think it does. I want to be very practical here, and I want to help people right now today. So uh, Taylor & Associates, I'm going to recommend them. They're in Northern California, uh, but I think they, they will probably help you otherwise as well. Um, they do all aspects of library hiring, and they have an emphasis in law firms. So that's Taylor & Associates, uh, Taylor & Associates, Catherine Ghent, and Elise Eisner. They also have a legal filing service. So if you want to get started in legal filing, you can go right there. Legal recruiters, there's too many to name. Uh, search for one in your area. A good resource, and one I used, was the Recorder and the Daily Journal, which are two legal newspapers uh, in California and otherwise. Um, their classifieds may not, in fact, they usually don't, for whatever reason, post law librarian jobs. But what they do have are ads for for and from recruiters. So you'll find every major recruiter is placing an ad in the recorder. So you can contact them, each one, with your resume and say, hey, I'm looking for a law librarian at some point, here I am. And once again, do not forget to join SLA, AAWL, and to check out LLRX.com the Law Librarian's Resource Exchange. Um, it's news, articles, 
placement. SLA, I think, doesn't even let you look at their placement unless you're a member. Um, and uh, good networking with other librarians. And like I said, it's, it's fairly affordable for a law librarian to join. Uh, AAAL Recruitment Committee uh, website has links to other articles and other resources as well. And that about, that does, in fact, wrap up everything that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, and I'll take questions, if you have any. Yes, I would. I mean, as opposed to, let's say, a lawyer that could be expected to work overtime and double time, uh, more or less, yes, it's going to be. You know, you are uh, either a salaried or an hourly employee, and they they generally they want. I'm I'm a salaried employee, so it's, it's possible that I could work more than 40 hours a week, but um, it's it's definitely it's not the uh, it's not the norm. Uh, I, of course, I'm going to probably get a million emails saying I work 80 hours a week, but but no, I mean it's one of the reasons I went into it. As I looked at the lawyers and I was a librarian, I said, somebody's going home at five, and it wasn't the lawyers, and it wasn't the paralegals, <laughs> and it wasn't even the secretaries, you know? So, yes, you can expect that.